Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. It's 4 o'clock. Welcome to Tutel and Nuanes, Montana's only statewide sports talk show. Broadcast on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Western Montana and across the state on SWX Television. I like football! Now, sports talk from Montana for Montana. Live from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanes. Hello, Montana. Justin Thomas sets a record at Wingfoot. NFL Week 2 opens today and our student of the week. It is to tell new one is 1029 ESPN radio SWX Montana television around the great state outstanding to be with you on this Thursday afternoon. Hope you are having an outstanding day. Thanks for letting us ride along with you here this afternoon. If you would like to participate with us in the show, we would be also very happy to welcome you in 361-3688. The phone number 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. If you would like to listen live and you are out of uh, the area, the listening area, or it's just easier at your home, at your office, whatever it may be, jump into the stream. 1029ESPN.com. That's the www. You go there, you click the Listen Live tab, you listen live anytime you would like to, including from 4 to 6 Mountain each weekday afternoon to this show. The stream is available thanks to Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. In the show today, week two of the NFL season starts tonight. My sweet, sweet, sweet child in the middle there, my kindergartner says to me, as I dropped her off at school today, Dad, when you get back, can we snuggle and watch football? I said, yes, we can, because the Browns and the Bengals are playing, and that's the only thing I want to do tonight is watch my my Browns and my Bengals for the Battle of Ohio. It's glorious. Why are you trying to inundate your children to tragedy at such a young age? Well, you know, you everybody got to learn. Everybody got to learn at some point. We had a rabbit. The rabbit passed away, and this will probably be akin to that. Uh, anyway. In a league filled with parity, are there any two teams that have less of a chance to ever be good than those two teams? Well, yes. I mean, the, the Bengals have been in at least one, if not two, Super Bowls. <laughs> How many in my lifetime? 
One. Oh, so if it didn't happen in your lifetime, then it didn't happen? Come on. Anyway, uh, we will uh, pick some NFL games against the spread here in the uh, in the first hour. We will also have Izzy Isley. She is our student of the week. She's our mattress room student of the week. She is from Bozeman High School, so we will get her in here. Look forward to talking with her. We also, at the top of the hour, are going to get ourselves into a little bit of Hall of Fame stuff. Colter wants to talk a little NFL Hall of Fame because the first-year eligibles list has been released, so we'll go through that. The U.S. Open is ongoing. Justin Thomas setting a major mark. And also, very happy today, Episode 4 of Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions, is out. Mike Agee, an offensive guard from that team, a Kalispell native, a Montana native, still lives in the state of Montana. He's now in Helena, uh, but uh, was a junior on that team, a four-year starter as an offensive guard uh, for the Montana Grizzlies, and and really fun to talk to. I think really, thought, really thoughtful, very reflective, and uh, a, a really enjoyable uh, conversation that we had with him. So we will bring you a portion of that. And, uh, and talk to you uh, about Grizz Greats as the ongoing podcast series is released. Coulter, I have two things for you instead of a book club today, okay? The first thing you know, because we discussed it, and I was amazed and yet not amazed that you already knew this, and that is Bryson DeChambeau and his degree of loft on his driver. A normal driver is like 9.5, 10 a very, very flat driver is eight and a half, maybe eight. Bryson DeChambeau's driver it has five and a half degrees of loft, less than by a half degree his putter. His putter has more loft than his driver. Now, you know my feelings about Bryson DeChambeau, but now it does make more sense. Well, he's pounding it out there, 350 in the air. He is not going to win this U.S. Open at Wingfoot the way this course is set up with, you know, his over, you know, what, what, what do we want to say? Just, just bombs away because it just isn't going to land in, you know, in the short grass as much when it absolutely has to always at a, at a U.S. Open. But that was a remarkable stat to me. Here's the other thing that happened. This morning I got up relatively early. I took my son to breakfast. And we're sitting there having breakfast. Now, aside from the fact that it set me back about 150 bucks. <laughs> That's why I'm um, laughing because I was thinking, what's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dad, dad, can I have it, six eggs? Normally, you go, you know, maybe not normally, but often, right? You go to the bar, you give them your card. You want to open, you want to close it. I'll open it up. I go to the restaurant and say, open it up. Kyle, just let me know when he's done eating, and then we'll just close her out. Uh, For those that don't listen often, <laughs> the kid is three. He is. He, he can't stop. Kota. Can I have some more juice? <laughs> Give me some of them chips. <laughs> Everything. Cheese. More cheese. Yeah. More cheese. Yeah. Can I have a plate like you? You know, it's like he he, he builds a snack bridge to to meal like landing points, and that's just how he lives his life. You know. Um, but I was there at this uh, at this place. We 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 ate outside this morning. Nice cool morning, and uh, we're outside eating. And I hear uh, another guy with his two sons, and they're, you know, I don't know, elementary age kids. And he says their names, and I hear them, and I go, excuse me, sir, can you just clarify for me, what are your sons' names? Coulter and Tucker. Hmm. How about that? How about that? We got you, and then, of course, dear friend Tucker Sargent, former host of this show, preceding you, 
Who's got Coulter and Tucker individually are not that pro, you know, not that common. No, One guy saying maybe he's just a big fan of the show. You know, maybe that's what's going on. Maybe you got a namesake out there. Maybe. Anyway, shout out to Coulter and Tucker. You kids look like good kids. Proud of you. All right. My name, my name used to be so unique. It still is. It's still not. You, it's still a sort of. There's uh, you, there's some Colts, some Coltons. What else do people do? Is it, that's pretty much it, right? Yeah, well, everybody spells their name with a U, which I don't know why. Coulter? Yeah, yeah, I can't I can't even pronounce yeah. the U. Quick story. Yeah, no, let's, do, let's do NFL picks against the spread. Let's do NFL picks against the spread. Tonight, Coulter, I, I, I know that you think that I'm an idiot, and you know what? I agree with you, <laughs> but I can't wait for this football game. I can't wait to see if the just tragedy that is the Cleveland Browns continues to transpire. I am I am very much actually looking forward to watching Joe Burrow play football because I did not see the Bengals game last week. So I, I want to see that. I want to see what the, the, the Bengals look like. And I just I just got to watch the Browns. Like, they can't miss football for me right now. It's just, it, it, you just shake your head and just go, this, this can't be real, and yet it is absolutely real. And... This isn't me being deceived or being naive. This isn't any of that stuff. It's just it's just amazing. It's remarkable. The consistent bleep storm <laughs> that the Browns are, man. And, you know, usually it's tied to personnel, and now it isn't. See, that's the thing, though. To me, it, to me neither of these teams' struggles as franchises is surprising at all. And, in fact... It's so simple to diagnose, and the fact that neither organization has been able to do it to themselves shows me the complete and utter lack of incompetency and self-awareness that exists within the organizations. If you run an NFL franchise like a mom-and-pop restaurant like the Cincinnati Bengals, it ain't going to work. Paul Brown is not the guy anymore. His grandson runs it. He's not Paul Brown. It's never going to be good again. The Bengals were good when Paul Brown was the owner. Since he's passed it along to his son and his grandson, it ain't happening. And that's why they sat there and and just rode it out with Marvin Lewis because they were just in this mediocre relationship with a girl they didn't want to marry but just couldn't break up with her because they didn't want to be single. And they just rode it out forever and ever and ever. The Browns, I never thought it was possible to hire a coach that's worse than Hugh Jackson, and the Browns have done it twice. Well, I am not. It's, it, it's, done, it's no, too no, early no. to say it about Kevin Stefanski, but yes, I'll tell you this. As somebody that's a Minnesota Vikings guy, Kevin Stefanski ain't it. He ain't it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that it, it's it's. Uh, all I'm saying is you had you had Greg Williams. You won six games, yeah. which was three times the amount of games you'd won in the last three years combined. Just keep that guy. Look, man, I. I, I totally agree with you, except for I think that Greg Williams was not retained not because of his ability to be a coach. You I know totally, what I mean? I totally understand. But you, when you're talking about the the, the uh, dysfunctional disaster that is the Cleveland Browns, despite incredibly improved personnel, that is, I mean, there, if you're sitting there searching for the answer to why when that is the issue, you don't ever, you're never going to know what the answer is. It's a very simple answer. They have a terrible coach. They've always had a terrible coach. Well, it's not even that. Baker Mayfield's been the quarterback of this team for how long? Two years and one game. Yep. How many head coaches he had? Three. Four. Four. Because Freddie Kitchens, right. Hugh Jackson, Greg Williams, Freddie Kitchens, Kevin Stefanski. Yeah. Four head coaches 
and and however many you know different offenses now within that and that's Baker not, Mayfield shoulders not. a lot of blame right now you you were so right when we talked the other day Coulter where you're like I don't know where it happens but the guy the Baker Mayfield the thing that he brought was the bravado. the complete bravado yes swag confidence whatever whether it was founded whether it was unfounded whether you found it appealing or whether you found it you know gross doesn't matter he certainly had it that was not in doubt and he does not have it i mean it's gone and the losing of an attitude after having it just beat out of you or whatever is really i mean it's it's actually startling to see i've seen guys who haven't had it and you can't tell whether they've lost it or not but it's just it's amazing there's a different human that i'm looking at well, it's a vicious cycle because one thing feeds the other side of it as well. For, to be him, to be what he once was as a walk-on who had to transfer schools and then catches fire, wins the Heisman, becomes the number one overall pick. He had to have a chip on his shoulder. He had to have a me-against-the-world attitude. He did it. He became the most confident player. A lot of people would say the cockiest player in all of college football. Yep. He carried that into the NFL, built himself some hype. But the only way you can fortify yourself within that bravado and that persona is to have success, and success has completely eluded him since they moved on from Greg Williams and hired Freddie Kitchens. To me, it's 100% a confidence thing. He he has to have... There's a lot of people that hate on him for, for the persona that he did try to project to the world, but that's the only way he has a chance to be successful. He's not going to be cerebral Matt Ryan, just, ah, shucks, doing my thing. No, he has to be Johnny Manziel-esque. He has to be... Aaron Rodgers-esque, else he's just going to burn out. When John, when Johnny Manziel, when Baker Mayfield played his first game, because remember, it was uh, uh, it was Tyrod Taylor who was the, the 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 quarterback of the team for the first several weeks of that season that of Baker's rookie year. So he hadn't even played two actual full seasons in the league. This is so funny to be Tyrod Taylor. Hey, guy, come in here and. Uh, Start for us while you groom the guy who is going to replace you, and we're going to make sure that the narrative is that he's going to replace you until you're replaced in yeah. Buffalo. Now in Los Angeles, it's amazing. It, in Cleveland, I mean, it, he's, it's been he's been at three different places where this has happened. It's true, but you know what? He's a quarterback in the league. I just love Tyrod Taylor. I just wish yeah. that somebody would give him. A, I mean, I would have. I would take Tyrod Taylor over Kirk Cousins eleven days a week. You would take me over Kirk Cousins, though. That's the issue. Well, that, but Tyrod Taylor has what I'm always talking about with quarterbacks. He's got the it back. But here, but full circle. Sorry. Okay, the first game that, and this was what Tyrod Taylor got hurt. He didn't get pulled. He got injured. Right. And but the Browns were down and losing, and it was in Cleveland. And here comes Baker Mayfield, and the the, the well, number one overall pick, and the saving the guy that you know everybody's been waiting for, and he walks out there, and you know what he does takes the Browns to a win on a Thursday night football game that they were losing, a comeback victory, and it wasn't about, oh, this team didn't play very well over here, whatever. He came out, slung it, and won the football game, and they're chanting, Baker, Baker, Baker. And it's the it, it was one of, honestly, it was one of the most sort of uh, uh, exciting, emotional, riveting, regular season football games I've ever seen when he came in and did this. And you go, this guy in this place, if he can do this, it's 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 unbelievable, and that has been beat out of him exactly. by the organization. And that's what I'm saying is that his me against the world attitude. It did exist his rookie year, and that's why they won six games. And it hasn't existed since. Mm-hmm. It's been it's been gone. And now, ironically, on a Thursday night again, this is are you ready? The biggest game of Baker Mayfield's life. This is it. 
The biggest game of his, of his NFL life, of his NFL career, is in week two against the Cincinnati Bengals in 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 a Thursday nighter, because all the all the talent purportedly is there, right? And they go out and they are a non-existent puddle of goo in week one. And if they don't if they don't show up and play not just better, win. They have to win and they have to show that they are actually a real football team. And if they can't do it, it is going they're gonna burn it down in Cleveland. You know, they just it's it's it. So I don't have tremendous optimism, but better believe I'll be watching every second of this football game. Let's we'll start rolling through these okay. picks, but before we do this, I guess gotta go I gotta go real quick on this. Okay. This is some this is some good information for you as well. I'll, I I'm love good gonna, information. I'm not gonna waste my time on anything besides just naming this off really quick. But okay. I am a subscriber to the athletic. Yep. I think it's an awesome Service that we have no direct affiliation with them. At Mike Dugar tomorrow, but I do pr- I do promote them because I think it's it's the future of journalism. They have great writers. Ross Tucker, who fills in on Dan Patrick quite often, but he's also an NFL analyst on Dan Patrick's show. He writes for the Athletic a little every once in a while. Ross Tucker is a former NFL offensive lineman. I think that a lot of times you get in trouble when you're trying to uh, analyze offensive line play especially in the NFL, unless you've really dedicated some time to truly breaking down film. You can analyze the offensive line of the Packers. You watch the Packers enough. I can analyze the offensive line of the Vikings. I consider myself someone that looks and analyzes offensive line play at all levels of football more than most people. No question. But that's only because that's the way that I watch the game because that's what the positions I played was on the fronts. So everybody watches the ball. I watch the ball when the center has it, and then I watch the line of scrimmage as the play develops. It's not here nor there. Ross Tucker ranked all the NFL offensive lines. So I just want to – I'm just taking this as almost gospel because I just think that he's – Somebody to trust. Somebody I trust and somebody that's absolutely put in the work and has the acumen to do it. So when we're talking about offensive lines, I think this is good to know because some of these were good, some of these surprised me. He says there's only two elite offensive lines in the NFL. The Indianapolis Colts and the New Orleans Saints. Okay. I would have said both of those. Above average offensive lines, Green Bay Packers, Dallas Cowboys, Pittsburgh Steelers, Baltimore Ravens, San Francisco 49ers, New England Patriots, Las Vegas Raiders, Philadelphia Eagles. There's a great story in Sports Illustrated two years ago when the I guess it was Jack Del Rio's high water mark when they went twelve and four about the Raiders offensive line. That is something that I have already talked about in this football season, but it's definitely underrated. None of the rest of those teams I thought were surprised, though. I also think the fact that I basically just named most of the contenders in the NFL, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's how this is so important, though. (laughs) Average, Tampa Bay, Cleveland, Buffalo, Kansas City, Tennessee, Atlanta, New York Jets, Carolina Panthers, Detroit Lions, Houston Texans. Okay. Below average, the Los Angeles Rams, which I, I, I totally agree with. That's the number one spot I thought they fell from when they went Super Bowl and then not. They didn't re-sign their interior guys. Their best offensive lineman is Andrew Whitworth, who's a potential Hall of Famer, but he's 38 he, years he's old. He's a Hall of Famer, but he is, yeah. He's, he's 38 yes. years old. He, I mean, he, he was talking about retirement two years ago. Arizona Cardinals, Denver Broncos, Jacksonville Jaguars, Dolphins, Bears, Vikings, I agree, Giants, and the Washington football team, and poor... Seattle Seahawks, Los Angeles Chargers, Cincinnati Bengals. Basically, what that says to me is, if you want to have the inside track to being a contender is threefold. Have one of the best quarterbacks in the league, 
And if you do, and you're the Seattle Seahawks, you're a contender, even if you have one of the worst offensive lines in the league. Yeah. If you're the Chiefs, you have a below-average offensive line, got Mahomes, you're a contender. Or have a good offensive line and everything, or or a great offensive line. But if you have a mediocre quarterback and a below-average offensive line, a.k.a. the Minnesota Vikings, you have to have such elite talent across the board everywhere else to really make up for that. Good insight. I think it's good insight because now we can talk a little bit more accurately, and I'll continue to reference that list as we continue to evolve. Okay, let's rip through these games. The Cleveland Browns, after losing by one million, are still a a six-and-a-half-point favorite over the Cincinnati Bengals. I do not, for the life of me, understand this. I I I think it really comes down to the fact that I really think that Cincinnati has far and away the worst offensive line in the league. They have a horrendous, horrendous offensive line. And I think that... I mean, you saw that last week. The Chargers' anemic offense didn't matter because the Chargers put so much pressure on Joe Burrow. He's as advertised as an athlete, but I think that line is partially indicative of just Miles Garrett's talent. Let me tell you something. If you have to win a game as a team, right, it, and it's it, it's it's you just you just got to have it. There's two ways it can go, right? It you can rally and show up and ball out and give a maximum effort and show that you belong and that you can do it, or you can melt down, okay? Which of those two options do you think is more likely for the Cleveland Browns? Ask me one more time. You're going you're gonna to show up and be together and 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 yeah. maximize the opportunity in a game that you got to have, or are you going to melt down? Melt down. You're going to melt down. Here, here's, the, here's the thing. I said this on the Make It Rainy podcast with Sean Rainey. Unfounded... Hype combined with off the field drama combined with uninspired effort is the number one formula to be bad in the NFL. It overwhelms even personnel advantages that you might have. That's what the Browns got yeah. at this exact moment. That's what I saw in week one. I'm taking Cincy. I think the Browns very well can win the football game, but six and a half points. I mean, that's, I find it crazy. I so too. I'm I too. I'm I, taking the Bengals on against the number. I know you've been screaming down my throat for uh, the week now about my evaluation of scared young quarterbacks like Drew Locke and Daniel Jones. It's awful, awful takes. It's not awful takes, yes, man, because you want to know who's a young quarterback who's not scared? Joe Burrow. Okay. The Bengals are going to be in games all year despite their personnel deficiencies. I'm taking the Bengals to cover as well. Cowboys opened as a seven-point favorite over Atlanta. That number all the way down to four-and-a-half points as a favorite over the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, I think the Cowboys are going to be very inspired after last week's loss, and I think Atlanta's defense is not good. I got the Cowboys. Uh, I think the Cowboys are going to win this game. I think the number's probably right about on. I think that's very, very close to what this is going to be. Um, can Atlanta slow down Demarcus Lawrence and the Cowboys pass rush? That's the key. But can can the Cowboys stop Matt Ryan and 450 well, yards of but, passing? But that's the thing is that that's where the pass rush comes in. The Seahawks have none, and that's why the Falcons were able to make money in the passing game. The idea that because the Seahawks don't have like a true get after the quarterback defensive lineman that they can't as a team have a pass rush is just false. But wouldn't you? I mean, you, you have to objectively agree that the Cowboys are significantly better at rushing the passer than the Seahawks. Oh sure. Yeah, I mean, this, yeah. I think the Cowboys are an underrated defense, man. I, mean, I, I like I mean, the Demarcus Cowboys Lawrence defense. Is, yes, is, yes. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, in my opinion, is the most underrated edge player in the league. They're, he was second in the league in sacks. Yes, I, I really like the Cowboys, man. But that doesn't mean that that that, that the Falcons aren't going to move the ball on the Cowboys. They are, and they're going to score some points. They are. I I think this number is just about right. If it was still at seven, I would certainly take Atlanta. You mean the Cowboys to win? 
32-28, but not cover by a half point. I'll take the Falcons. Okay. Uh, the Bills opened as a three-point favorite over Miami. They are now a six-point favorite I'm over all, the Miami Dolphins. I'm all on Buffalo. I think Buffalo is the top five or six team in the league. Love Josh Allen. Love what they're putting together. Top five or six in the league, the Bills? I do. Look at this. I, I think that... Uh, I think it's the Chiefs and the Ravens and then everybody else in the AFC, but I think the Bills have a chance to be the best team other than those two teams in the AFC. I got the Bills. I think the Bills will be able to run the ball straight down Miami's throat. I I really like the Bills. I think the Bills are going to win this game by a touchdown. I like Miami, too, but they're a little bit injured, and, you know, we're still kind of waiting on Tua here. When's that going to happen? Buccaneers are a a 9.5-point favorite over Carolina. I I think that's crazy, man. I do, too. I, I I know the pipe about the Bucks. I like the Bucks, but nine and a half points, that's I think that's a discredit to Carolina. I think Carolina showed that they are, you know, they are a more legitimate football team than some teams in the NFL right now. So I mean I think the Buccaneers win by a touchdown, maybe, but not by ten. So I'll take I'll take Carolina. It's the weirdest number of the week because I get that there's some apprehension about Carolina with a new coach who has no NFL experience in Matt Rule, a quarterback who is trying to find his form from years ago in Teddy Bridgewater because he's been either hurt or a backup since then. Mm-hmm. But they still scored 30 points a week ago. The Panthers did. They still have Christian McCaffrey. He's one of the best offensive players in the league, period. They have some guys. I I, I don't know. I, I totally agree. I think the Bucks are an overwhelming favorite, but the NFL, an overwhelming favorite, it's a touchdown favorite, not a 10-point favorite. I got Carolina to cover. Pittsburgh opened as a five and a half point favorite over Denver. They're now a seven and a half point favorite. Uh, that that number gives me pause. Five and a half, I'd be all over Pittsburgh in this game. Seven and a half, I know you're still taking the Steelers. I'm I'm just gonna hedge it here. I'm gonna take Denver. They got me that half point win last week. I'll take the Broncos to lose by seven. I mean Gaskowski makes his kicks last week and the Broncos get blown out. You know, there's a I lot of alternative I, universes I where the lines change. I just don't really know, though, why we... I, I, we usually, despite the fact that we banter and yell at each other on the show, mostly for entertainment purposes, mm-hmm. we largely see games relatively the same in terms of strength and weaknesses. I'm so confused at our, how far apart we are on the Broncos. I was so unimpressed. Yeah, I, I thought that and I don't they, know, and you were impressed, and I don't know why. There's would, not a single guy where I was like, man. Yeah, there was. There was one guy. No offense. Besides that, I was, uh, there's no guy where I was like, man, that, that guy is much better or much different than I thought. Okay. I'm gonna, I am gonna. I think that is absolutely crazy. I know Jerry Judy dropped two or three balls in the middle of his palms of his hands. Okay? Can't happen. I understand that. Jerry Judy is the best wide receiver out of one of the best wide receiver classes that we have seen. Week one, book it. I mean, what he is getting off the line, breaking off defense, defensive ends, excuse me, defensive backs, cornerbacks, and so on, unbelievable. He's going to catch the football, okay? I know, but relying on rookie receivers is just so but, but no, precarious, no, no. I'm, man. I, I'm not saying that they were world beaters. They scored 14 points. What I'm saying is I see the building of something serious, and your analysis of quarterbacks as scared or not scared is asinine. Who's the Those are not <laughs> the way. To, that's not the way. What do you mean? No. It's the number one key factor to play quarterback in the NFL. Are you scared or not? That is an unbelievably weak take. No. It has nothing to do with being scared or not scared. Can you execute? Can you step up? Can you see it? Can you read it? Can you exit? Can you can you hit the mark? Those are the things that matter. Detroit at Green Bay. 
Six-point favorite for the Packers until further notice. I'm on Green Bay, and I'm certainly not on Detroit. Detroit will find a way to drop balls in the end zone to lose games as they did this past weekend. I had the Packers winning by seven. I thought the Niners were the definitive favorite in the NFC coming into this season after this last week. I think that there's two definitive favorites. Oh, wow. I think, Bay Packers, I think the Green Bay Packers are one of them. Unlike you, it doesn't pain me to say it. <laughs> I don't care. I actually want Aaron Rodgers to win another Super Bowl because I think it would be great for his legacy. Um, here's what we're going to do, Coulter. We're going to take a quick break. Great. Okay? We'll come back, and on the other side, we will do the second half of the games and get ourselves ready for week two of the NFL season right after this. I'm going to make so much money gambling this weekend, and if and when I do, I'm going to go try out live from Trail West Bank. This ATM with a personal touch, you can do all sorts of things there. A friendly team member from Trail West Bank is on video to help you bank your way. If you want to make a deposit, which I'm going to probably cash out. Oh, thousands. Get them in there, yeah. Probably then withdraw some and maybe, you know, go buy a hamburger or something. That'd be great. I love a good burger. No matter what you need to do, deposits, withdrawals, transfer funds, more live can make your busy life a little bit easier. No matter where you're at in Western Montana, there's a Trail West Bank near you. Change is constant, and nowhere is this more true than with your company's network and network security. With an SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you get the best of both worlds. A scalable network to quickly connect remote offices and the protection from downtime that ensures your network is always on. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot. Connect to more. If you were going to play legit Sunday U.S. Open golf at Wingfoot, what's your number? What am I going to shoot? Yeah. Count it all. Well, obviously, it's a pro tournament. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about you being in the U.S. Open. I just thought, like, you know, after. Like, we were in a pairing just at the end. Okay. But, yes, okay, regardless. Um. Man, it's a tough question, man. I, th- I think I could get like I think I could get to like one ten. See, I, I thought that the, I thought like one twenty might be the the like. Can we get under? It really, just depends on how many. I, I think you could get T to green if you were just. We're, we're saying best you could play. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, I'm not saying best you can play. I'm saying what would you in fact play? I mean, the you know, like what do you think you'd do? Here's the thing, I think that that you're. But here, here, here's the thing yeah. about the. That's bad. Say you're getting T to green in four to five shots, four four to six shots each. each oh round. yeah, I mean, I th- I, th- I think you can do better than that. I, I do too. But here's the whole thing: how how many putts can you just get lucky on, and or how locked in are you putting, and you just roll one in, or you lag one and give yourself a nice easy two putt? Because if you're just chasing that hole, you could absolutely, absolutely putt eighty times. Yes, yes. That's what I'm saying, man. Like, I just don't think there's any way to prepare for, like... I, mean, I, I, was, cre- I watched the best golfers in the world today from 10 feet run it by 8 feet. The Ranch Club had their toughest tournament, toughest golf in the world tournament on Saturday. I didn't know that it happened. I played out there afterwards. The pins were still the same. 
There were some pins where I seriously think that if I would have had to make the putt before one of the people I was playing with gave it to me, I would still be out there putting. <laughs> I'm serious, man. They were more unrealistic than even a U.S. Open. Like oh, Some of these pins were not possible. I mean, they were on the fringe, on the hill, by the water, like just stupid pins. But I just think that uh, you might just be chasing your ball for seven or eight strokes on the hole, just on the green. Justin Thomas, 565, sets the record at Wingfoot for a U.S. Open round uh, today, uh, par 70 at Wingfoot. Patrick Reed, Thomas Peters, both in at four under. Matt Wolf is playing the 18th. He is at four under. Then there's a, a, a three gr- three at three under, including uh, Rory McIlroy, and then a bunch at two under and beyond. So there you go. Quick update there. All right, Do you Coulter. know the Matt Wolf story? Well, I know the Matt Wolf swing. I know that he went to Oklahoma State. So this, this is a very quick story. Okay. So he had no idea he had that hitch in his swing. When he got to Oklahoma State, they told him, you have a hitch in your swing, but that's okay. You're so talented. We're just going to fix it for you. And he said, what the hell are you talking about? They said, you have a hitch in your swing. He said, no, I don't. My swing's perfect. They said, so they took a video of him in, during a round, and he's like, oh, I do. He said, well, screw you guys. I'm not changing it's my swing. Staying. And here he is. What is he? Twenty one years old, and he's. On I mean, the, it ain't a hitch. It is a. It's a convulsion. But whatever, whatever all, gets you lined up. That's man. right. That's right. Uh, all right. Uh, so we're both on the Packers uh, minus six over the Detroit Lions. Uh, we go to the Tennessee Titans, who opened as ten and a half point favorites over the Jacksonville Jaguars. That is now at eight and a half. Um, this and I mean this in with complete sincerity. This completely hinges on Steven Goskowski. I mean, the, the if he misses every kick, Tennessee is still going to win this thing by three or five. If he makes every kick, they'll win by fifteen. And I got no idea what he's going to do. And you know what? I don't think he's got any idea what he's going to do, which is not a good mental space to be occupying as a kicker. Um. I thought the Jacksonville Jaguars, I mean, obviously they beat Indianapolis, who was my pick to win the AFC South. So I, I, I'm I, impressed with that. I talk about a team that kind of circled the wagons after what appeared to be a fire sale and a very bad offseason in Jacksonville. So, you know, give me that Gardner Minshew magic and let me uh, see the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars keep it somewhat close and uh, and cover the spread. It's a bad number. I wouldn't bet this game in real life, I don't think, because I do think the Titans are going to wail on the Jaguars. It's just so hard for me to pick a team to win by more than a touchdown in the NFL in the first month of the season. I just think that that's a really hard thing to do because we just see even bad teams figure out a way to rally. I mean, they just cut. Like the, the Patriots blasted the Dolphins last week, and they still ended up finally only winning by 10. Mm-hmm. You know, the. the the Bills were just running roughshod yes, over the Jets, and they ended up winning Scored by some late. what I think twelve, and that, and that was an absolute beatdown. Yeah, I mean the worst game of the weekend was the Browns, but Ravens game. But thirty-eight-six is like a, a four times a year thing in the, throughout the entire league. Yeah, no, I mean I, well, I guess yeah. early though it's so anomalous because usually it happens sometimes late when teams have quit or they're out of guys i see yeah i, I don't know though i'm just gonna be a contrarian i'm gonna take the titans even Ooh, though i hate the number because i that. just i just can't imagine the jags being two and oh i just can't um the philadelphia eagles now this is weird they opened at four four point favorites there it's down to one and a half point favorites however on a different 
on the Make It Rainy podcast, they actually had the Rams as a favorite in this game, which uh, I thought was... Or no, they had the Eagles as a favorite in this game, but it wasn't four points. But in any case... Odds makers are more all over the place on the Rams than any team in the league early. They've Their odds have changed more often in the first two weeks than any other team. I just think the Rams are better than the Eagles. That's I all I'm saying. I think the Rams are good. I don't yeah. know why their odds makers are all over the place. I got the Rams as well. Okay. The Colts are a three-point favorite over your Minnesota Vikings. I, I'm i really lost in this one, and I would like to hear your thoughts because this is your team and also a team that I know you like in Indianapolis but who lost their first game. Marlon Mack is now out, and Phillip Rivers looks very much like Phillip Rivers. Minnesota is a good team with some flaws. I don't know. What, what do you think about this game, the Colts being a, a three-point favorite? Man... This is the, one of the toughest games of the week, honestly, to pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, th- I feel like the number's about right. I mean, three points in favor of Indianapolis, I think, is, is, is fairly reasonable. But I, I really don't know what to do. This game, this game comes down to running the ball, stopping the run, but also who decides to do that. Because I thought that the biggest disappointments in week one were the fact that the – Vikings gave the ball to Dalvin Cook 12 times, and the Colts threw the ball 46 times. With the way that their rosters are constructed and who their players are, that's just stupid. It's bad coaching. It's just just do it exactly inverted of I mean, the, the way you did. The Indianapolis Colts have definitively the best offensive line in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And they also have not just, I know Marlon Mack tore his Achilles, but they still have Jonathan Taylor and Nasheem Hines. That's what they need to do. That's what they have to do. That's what makes, I mean, T.Y. Hilton is so much more dangerous in play action and, and things like that. So, I mean, I just think that it's it's about running the ball, stopping the run, but you also have to do that. Yeah. It might not. I mean, they, these coordinators could just be out of their minds and they could just have a passing fest. If that's the case, I'm going to throw the TV out the window because I cannot watch <laughs> Kirk Cousins and Philip the dad throw the ball 40 <laughs> times each. Uh, but, I'm but taking that, the Colts. Basically, it comes down to then who has the advantages on the lines. The Colts absolutely have a better offensive line than the Vikings. The Colts actually honestly have on par in terms of a defensive front. I think the Vikings have better linebackers just barely. Darius Leonard's the best linebacker in this game for the Colts. The Vikings have Eric Kendricks, who's an all-pro, Anthony Barr, who has a lot of potential and is good sometimes. But the Colts, people forget, one of the biggest offseason signings that didn't get very many headlines was the Colts signing DeForest Buckner. Mm-hmm. DeForest Buckner's a real deal player. He's one of the best interior defensive linemen in the league. That helps the Colts fortify it. I think that the Colts are going to put the game 100% on Kirk Cousins, and if that's what the game is 100% on, I'm picking the Vikings to lose 100% of the time. Okay, okay. The Giants and the Bears, this is another game that I absolutely just can't stand. These two teams, you know, they have the immovable object and the unstoppable force, right? This is like the opposite of that. This is like two bad teams, and which one is going to be more mediocre than the other is sort of like how this shakes out to me. Uh, the Bears are five-and-a-half-point favorites. Because I think these two teams are equal, I'm going to take the Giants to, you know, maybe lose but lose close in an ugly football game. This holds no interest for me whatsoever from an aesthetic standpoint. Uh, I am, I mean, I'm, an, I'm 30 times more interested in Browns-Bengals than I am in the Bears-Giants game on Sunday. But uh, as is what we do here, I will take the Giants. 
If you're unsure about a spread and you're unsure about a game and one of the two teams' quarterbacks is Mitch Trubisky, pick the other team. I got the Giants. Okay. Uh, The San Francisco 49ers are seven-point favorites over the uh, New York Jets. Until further notice, you will never pick the Jets. It's the 49ers, who, by the way, I wouldn't say they need a win, but, you know, being 0-1, losing that first game, I think they are going to be motivated to play in this one, and they're the better team by four, uh, and they should, they're going to win this game by double digits, seems to me. Debo Samuel's still out. George Kittle likely out. Jimmy Garoppolo's got really no one to throw the ball to except for maybe Eastern Washington product Kendrick Bourne. They're going to need a rookie to step up. Brandon Ayuk has got a lot of hype this offseason. I think San Francisco is going to have a hard time moving forward this next couple weeks passing the ball, but that's not what they need to do, particularly in this game. They just run it down their throats. The Jets are the worst team in the league. I got the Niners winning this thing going away. The surprising 1-0 Washington football team against the still surprising that they're 1-0 Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals are a a six-and-a-half-point favorite over Washington. I like the cards. The... So many people coming out of last week. Oh, the Redskins ruined my parlay. Oh, the Redskins ruined my bet. Oh, I can't believe the Washington football team did what they did. There's a lot of galvanization despite the offseason of tumult for the Washington football team. But the number one storyline I thought didn't get enough run coming out of that Washington quote-unquote upside of the Eagles was that the best player on the field in that game, period, was Chase Young. Mm. Chase Young is the realist. He's <laughs> so good, man. Like he he's he's as good at least out the box as Nick Bosa, but he has way more upside already. And Nick Bosa's an old pro type player already for the San Francisco 49ers. I think Chase Young is unbelievable. That's what the number two pick should look like. I I thought he was awesome. All that said, Arizona. I'm not ready to anoint them completely yet, but they are really good. I yep. got Arizona. Uh, I got Arizona, too. I, I'm glad you pointed that out about Chase Young. That's very good. I still don't think Washington is – Is I mean, I don't, I don't know if they're anywhere. They feel like a team to me like, – they feel like an organization right now that's just in absolute no man's land, man. They are – as planets go, they are Neptune. They're just – I don't know. Somewhere out there in the middle, nobody's really paying attention. You know, like we do to Pluto and whatnot. Pretty poor analogy. All right, Ravens-Houston. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens are a seven-point favorite over the Houston Texans. This opened at five and a half and went another point and a half in favor of Baltimore. And if it went five more points in favor of Baltimore, I would still take the Ravens. The Ravens are really good, and Houston is is at best okay. I think they might be okay, but they're only okay, and at worst, they're they're really bad. I got the Ravens winning this game handily once again. I mean, I sit here and waffle on spreads like nine and a half for the Bucks and eight and a half for the Titans, but that's because those teams are perhaps towards the middle, or perhaps towards the top of the middle. I don't waffle on the spread for the Ravens. The Ravens are the best yeah. team in the AFC. I'm yeah. picking the Ravens no matter what the spread is, unless they're playing probably the Chiefs. <laughs> you know, so right. I, I got the Ravens. Speaking of, the Chiefs are against the Chargers. Mike Pouncey officially out for the year. Bad, bad loss for uh, the Chargers. And they're already weak on the offensive line. So the Chiefs are an eight and a half point favorite. And once again, I mean, it's the Chiefs. I mean, eight and a half points for the Chiefs is like four points for every other team. No question. And so I, I'm taking I'm taking Kansas City to cover this up against L.A. Well, the two most paramount injuries for the Chargers so far this year. Mike Pouncey, like you mentioned, but as well as Derwin James. Sure. This is the matchup that that kills them in the most because Kansas City has a great defensive line. 
So Mike Pouncey, that hurts you. They have a core, a new quarterback in Tyrod Taylor, so you need your center. But then if you ever make a move, that'll have ramifications down the road too because Mike Pouncey could be the guy who helps bring Justin Herbert along if you decide to go down that road. So either way, Mike Pouncey kills your offense not being there, but then you absolutely have to have an athlete like Derwin James on the back end if you want to even hang with the Chiefs. Else Travis Kelsey's going to dice you. Tyreek Hill's going to run by you. I just think the Chiefs are going to win this thing going away. Sorry, Rainey. Seahawks, New England, Sunday night football. I think this is the game of the weekend in the NFL. I'm really looking forward to this game because I think this is going to be uh, revealing about both teams uh, no matter what happens. Let's hear your take, and then I'll tell you mine. I mean, I'm all on the the Patriots. I think the Patriots have uh, a matchup advantage in this game because I think that the Patriots have among the best, if not the best, secondaries in the NFL. I think that they'll have a definitive game plan to slow down that uh, Seattle passing attack, which was absolutely a revelation in week one. Russell Wilson's not going 31 for 35 and throwing four touchdowns in this game. No no argument there. Uh, and I just think that New England, people forgot the, the, the overwhelming narrative of Tom Brady leaving New England made everybody forget that the Patriots still have one of the best defenses in the entire league. And I think that they'll come out with an unorthodox game plan. I think you're going to see a lot of Cam Newton running the ball to exploit that weak defensive front for the Seahawks. I, I think I, I got New England all day. Greeny, Mike Greenberg, certainly earlier today said the following, and I'm not taking this stance, but I just am saying this for the record. Okay, yeah. reciting what he said. He said before the season started, he picked Seattle to actually win the NFC West, and he said he was wrong about that pick. He said Seattle Seahawks are the best team in football. What he said today. Yikes. I'm not prepared to go that far. <laughs> Seattle, he, he must not have NFL Sunday tickets. <laughs> Seattle's going to win this football game, and they are going to cover the spread against the New England Patriots. The Patriots are good. The Seahawks are really good. Oh, and, boy. And, and New England has flaws, man. They still don't have anybody to throw the football to, even though they have Cam Newton. I get the running element, but they're not ready to go. It cannot be the best. I'm not going at you. I'm going at Mike Greenberg. You you cannot be the best team in football if you have a poor offensive and defensive front. Cannot. Well. Cannot. You know what? You could be your cute little CLC, Ox, 11-5, losing the second round of the playoffs. Can't be the best team in football. Coulter, that is spoken like a true offensive lineman. I appreciate it. That is normally the case. But you know what? It may not always be the case. And if we're talking about the the age of sabermetrics and productivity, where it's not about who's your defensive end, but it's about the pressure that a defensive front can get collectively through scheme, through bringing up their all-world safety, best safety in football, Jamal Adams, to come off the edge in the run, in the pass. This is a team that is getting it done defensively. And clearly, offensively, they had no problems. I realize it's Atlanta. New England is is world better defensively than the Atlanta Falcons. And that's why I think this is going to be a a telling game. Like I really want to see what happens when the offensive line is exposed for the Seattle Seahawks. And they, if anybody's going to expose them, it's going to be Bill Belichick in New England. Am I right? That's Still right. going to win this game and cover. We will speak more about this, by the way, tomorrow. So Mike Dugar of the Athletic, our uh, 12 for the 12 segment every Friday. Dugar, the uh, uh, beat writer for the Seattle Seahawks uh, for the Athletic. So we'll look forward to talking with him. I will be very interested to hear his take about this game. Last game. Las Vegas, the last stadium of the season to open her up. The uh, Raiders hosting the New Orleans Saints. The Saints, five-and-a-half-point favorites on the road at Las Vegas. Waffled yesterday on this one. I actually thought the Raiders might be able to cover, but I don't. 
I think that the Saints are going to win this game. I think they're also going to cover. I think the Saints are, are, are great. Michael Thomas being out is significant, but I don't think it's significant enough to change the dynamic you know, way in which this offense is run, the play calling that exists there, and, and just the the unbelievable creativity. I mean, I'm just so impressed with Sean Payton week in and week out and what he does, what he comes up with, the concepts that he has, the multiple quarterback stuff that he does. I think it's just phenomenal. I think it's very difficult, clearly, to defend. And and they have the personnel to execute it. So I like the the, uh, the New Orleans Saints to win this game on Monday and to, uh, to be the first team to get a double in Las Vegas. Quick break on the other side. Izzy Isley. What a great name. She is the match firm student of the week. She's out of Bozeman High School. She is a, a volleyball player there, but also an aspiring doctor. Get to hear from her right after this. For unquestionably committed coverage of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics from a homegrown local source, you can count on Skyline Sports. The grassroots news-gathering organization is owned and operated by Coulter and Brooks Nuanas, a pair of Missoula natives and University of Montana graduates. For the best sports journalism in the state, you can choose to buy local when you choose to buy Skyline Sports. For $8 a month or $90 a year, you can get the best coverage available at SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports, every day, every season. Welcome back to Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. SWX Montana Television, outstanding to be with you on this very fine Thursday afternoon. Hope you are having a wonderful day. Thanks for rolling along with us. We appreciate that very much. At Gus Tutel on Twitter. You know, your relevant Twitter handles. At 1029 ESPN at SkylineSportsMT.com and get us all over all the time on the Twitter sphere. We are very happy to be there with all of you. But we are happy now to welcome in our Mattress Firm Student of the Week, Bozeman Hawk volleyball player, Izzy Isley. She's a senior there. Izzy, thank you so much for being with us. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. Well, we're happy to have you on. We're excited that you are here in this first month of school, the Student of the Week. Fantastic stuff. And you are a senior, a 4.0 honor student, and also a volleyball player. For a while, we were thought, hey, are we even going to have a volleyball season? But here we are. It's going and it's off and running. How how happy are you that just everything kind of came together and you get to play here in your senior year? You know, it's great. Everything's so uncertain right now, you know, and school is so different and it's all pretty hectic, but volleyball is kind of like that solid point, like that rock, and it's always the same no matter what restrictions we're going through. So, yeah, I'm happy to have it. <laughs> Is the volleyball in Bozeman different with the opening of, of Gallatin High School? Has that affected just the construction of the team at all? Or what, what are your thoughts of just having another AA high school in Bozeman? Um, yeah, it's definitely created a lot of already crosstown rivalry. And we only have like two or three returners this year. So we did, we lost a huge bulk of our team last year. And yeah, we're looking forward to playing them and seeing how that lines up. Oh, you're going to crush them. I mean, they're brand new. They got no clue what's oh, coming yeah. for them, right? <laughs> they got no seniors. Yeah. No <laughs> seniors. 
Uh, <laughs> Izzy Isley, she's our student of the week from Bozeman High School, senior there. And this is so interesting. Uh, you are the president of the Future Health Professionals Club, and in fact, have even been interning uh, there in Bozeman, uh, you know, at a health outlet uh, already. How did you get into this, not just as maybe like something that you might be interested in going into, but you're actually pursuing this and doing stuff right now in high school to prepare yourself for a life in the in the healthcare field. Um, yeah, you know, we're really lucky at Bozeman because we have so many clubs like that where you can just kind of dive into stuff that you're interested in. And, um, you know, I heard about HOSA, and it's actually a really big group at the high school, and we participate in state, like state HOSA. And, yeah, I don't know, it just sounded super interesting to me. The biomed teachers at my school really pushed for it. And so, yeah, I guess I just joined and never looked back. <laughs> now, when you're participating in certain deals, like when you say state, what, what does it include? I mean, what, what sort of things are you participating actually in? Um, you know, there's lots of different um, units within it. So um, there's like natural disaster relief. And so, or um, like in veterinarian sciences or psychology sciences, and you you can take an online test on like a whole bunch of different like medical terminology and compete against other students in the state. Or um, you go in and you do a number of medical-related um, activities and compete against other people. And so, yeah, it's just, like, a really great way to, like, compete and actually get hands-on experience in the medical field. What first drew you to healthcare? I mean, what, what, what are the things you're interested in about being in the medical field? Um, you know, my I have two aunts, a dentist and an OBGYN, and they've always just I've been my role models and I love hospitals for some reason. And when I was little, like playing doctor was definitely my favorite thing to do. And I don't know. I, I also just really like helping people. That's why I volunteer down at the hospital every week. And so, yeah, I guess that's where my inspiration came from. Now, obviously, the, the, the school year has just begun, so you're very early in the cycle, but do you have a, a plans for, for next year and, ter- and, and the future in terms of where you might like to go to school and what specifically you might like to get into since you have such kind of a clear vision of that? Uh, yeah, I'm not exactly what sure I'm going to. Uh, still looking into that, I have time. But um, I really like the idea of becoming a PA or a doctor, and so definitely looking at schools that have big programs in like biology and pre-med so well that's fantastic yeah. and now i i gotta ask you this you have three siblings and you're you have a younger sister right who's in high school but then you have two other siblings who are three and four years of age is this correct I mean, how awesome is it to go home? I have a three and a five-year-old. I would love to have a high schooler like you that was, you know, much more competent than me to help out around. I mean, how much, how much babysitting and and hanging out with them are you doing? (laughs) Oh, it's crazy. I'm the living nanny. Uh, I love it though. And, um, (laughs) well, and not only that, my aunt also has, uh, four boys under the age of eight. And so, and two twins that are the same age as my youngest sister. So I, yeah, I've grown up in a sea of babies and it's been fantastic. And 
love taking care of them. I'm just going to say, I leverage that, okay? Get some money out of your folks, out of your aunt. Say, I'm not doing this anymore for free. I got to live my life or I got to get paid. Those are your options. So, you know? You're right. Why, why haven't I done that? That's right. Now, this is this is why you're on the show for, for life advice. Clearly, you need some help because you don't have a ton of direction headed for being a doctor, being a 4.0 student, being in the future health professionals. We thought maybe you were a wayward child. You know what I mean? We could come on here and really help you out a right. little bit. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Izzy, it's fantastic to have you here. We wish you the absolute best through this uh, volleyball season and through the rest of your senior year. Uh, it's great to talk to you and to, uh, and to meet you here, and we wish you the absolute best. We'll look forward to, to tracking how the rest of the season goes and then uh, and how life goes thereafter where you go to school and all the rest, okay? Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. There you go. That's how you do it right there. Izzy Isley, our student of the week from Mattress Firm. Mattress Firm, once again this year, is selecting a student of the week each week and then a student of the year uh, in the spring who will receive a $3,000 scholarship courtesy of Mattress Firm. You can go on to mattressfirmmt.com right now, click on the Montana Student tab, and you can submit students for uh, the Mattress Firm uh, Student of the Week. So they're taking those submissions all the time. So go online and and, uh, and do that. We appreciate them for, for bringing us that these great stories it's two telling nuanas one of two ninety espn radio hour one in the books hour two straight ahead a new hall of fame class is eligible in the nfl who's on it and who's going to actually make it and also u.s open it is happening loving it at Wingfoot. we'll give you an update next Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 